You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. We are back. I guess I should say I am back. Um, the boys have been uh, holding the fort down here at the uh, GGTMC headquarters while Sammy <laughs> has been uh, on an extended vacation known as uh, Work Messes With Your Life. And, uh, wow, it's been quite a ride for me. Not to get into too many gory details, but hopefully things are – hopefully I'm getting ready to make a turn there and life will get uh, semi-normal again. So – uh, who knows? Who knows? I say I say that now. I thought that uh, two months ago, and uh, shit fell through. So that's enough about me. Uh, we are back, and uh, got Large William and uh, the Totter with us. Uh, so they're there. You can hear them mulling about and doing things, and who knows Yo. what? A- <laughs> there we go. And uh, we're gonna do our Diabolic DVD show, which I think we were supposed to do like two months ago. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> But, and uh, even at two months ago, it was two months late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, that is quite possible. That is quite possible. Um, there's no doubt about it that time has not been a friend of ours lately. Um, that's just the way it goes sometimes. I guess I guess we were bound to, after all these years, run into a situation like this sooner or later. I admire those who can keep it on a steady schedule, and I thought we could too, but uh, life is life. All right, so this week... Uh, I was choosing from Diabolic, so I chose uh, a couple of old school films, uh, some stuff I really wanted to watch on Blu-ray anyway, and one that I just hadn't seen in ages that I used to like when I was young. It may have backfired on me a little bit, um, just to give you a heads up. But Full, full Moon High. Could I, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full Moon High from uh, 1981 and uh, Junior Bonner from 1972. So Steve McQueen back on the show, Sam Peckinpah back on the show, and Adam Arkin on the show for the first time, maybe? <laughs> but another Larry Cohen joint. Um, and oddly, we were going to record a show. It didn't work out. Me and Todd were going to record a show covering the uh, Larry Cohen documentary that's coming out from, I believe, Dark Sky Pictures. Uh, which I might touch on here on the what I've been watching and stuff. We were going to do a, a Larry Cohen documentary. King Cohen is what it's called, and we were going to do 
uh, female trouble, John Waters' female trouble. We never got around to it, so who knows? Maybe we'll get to that at another point. Be fun sure. to talk female trouble with all three of us, anyway. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, so I'm going to let you guys uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, just might advise we don't talk about everything we watched. Uh, yeah. Of course, you guys may have watched less than I've watched. I'm only going to talk about a handful of things. So I'll kick it over to one of you guys. Does the prince want to go first? Uh, yeah. He, he is royalty. He is royalty, after all. <clears throat> yeah. Dirt before the shovel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I watched uh, Rampage with The Rock, and oh. it's a movie with The Rock. Wow. Uh, and Kick. giant CG monsters, you, and it was okay. Yeah, you uh, kicked, kicked it off high class, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was okay. No, no great shakes. Uh, and speaking of no great shakes, Star Wars The Last Jedi, um, yeah, no great shakes again. Um, it's uh, it's a terrible first two thirds and a pretty good la- last third that almost uh, makes up for it, but not quite. So like uh, Luke, um, Luke Skywalker is Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but yeah, I, 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 whatever. It, it is what it is. These movies are clearly not tickling my funny bone, uh, the new Star Wars movies. Now, I don't think any of them is really... Well, The Force Awakens, I, I liked a decent amount. But uh, outside of that, it's just yeah. been kind of like, yeah, they're okay. Yeah, they're uh, fine. I could, they're give, f- I could give or take them. Mm-hmm. Um, watched uh, DC Animated Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Yeah. Uh, and this thing, uh, this was pretty solid. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like you and I were saying, Sammy, it, it really goes for its R rating, uh, like big time. It's gory as hell. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's also, but it was also a, a lot of fun. I like the, I like the characters. I like the story, which um, you know I've said before. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it might be a Secret Six uh, story arc yeah. uh, that it's adapted from. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. But regardless, uh, this was a good one. I dug yeah. it. Ten times better uh, than the live action Suicide Squad should be said. I would uh, yes, <laughs> yes, a little bit. Um, and then I caught Wong Jing's meltdown with Jet Li, Ooh. and this thing was insane. I loved it. Um, nice. Yeah, it's just it's just off the wall. Uh, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit draggy in that way that Hong Kong action films can tend to be, uh, in that it just is too much of a good thing, but it's a lot of good things. Uh, so yeah, recommend on that. Rewatched Spider Baby, which is a movie that I've just never been able to get into for some reason or another. And I watched it again, and I still just, it doesn't quite hit for me the way that I'd like it to. Um, there's still a lot about it that I appreciate. Um, but overall, it's just kind of middle of the road for, for myself. Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is, uh, in my opinion, better than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I rewatched that and uh, dug it, you know, just as much as uh, I ever did. And then I caught it uh, from 2017, and I was surprised uh, at how much I actually liked this thing. Yes, I, w- I was not expecting. I was not expecting much out of it. Uh, it is. It is. I think very effectively creepy. I think it's very well paced. Um, I think it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, character uh, in there. Like, everybody is very distinctive, not just by visuals, but, uh, you know, as actual people, um, as much as they can be for how big the cast is. Uh, The only real issue that I have with it is that there are way too many loud jump scares. 
Yes. Um, outside of that, though, uh, I dug this a good uh, a good amount, and I got to say that uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to to the sequel. Even though you know I, I wasn't even a, really a fan of the book uh, way back when it came out. I don't even think I finished reading it, but uh, yeah, no, this was good. I, I really dug it. So yeah, looking forward to the the second one. And Sarsgaard does a pretty like he stepped into some pretty big clown shoes. Oh God! And, yeah. and and not to say he's better than Curry, but I think he's he puts in an admirable performance. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, yeah, it gets a little uh, a little wonky with some of the CG stuff, but you yeah, know, it is what it is. Uh, and finally, caught Paddington Two, which is outstanding in the same uh, wonderfully good natured, simple. Um, family-friendly way that the uh, the first one was. Loved it. Loved it to bits. Nice. That's all I got. Yeah, a lot of people love Pennington, too. Oh, oh it's so God. cute, man. It's love so it. It's so good. This, yeah, this and the first one is just so good. Yeah. And I, I have very little time, so not enough time for the Paddington Bear, unfortunately. I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Oh, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. I do like me teddy bears. That's right. <laughs> All right, Will, you got anything? Yes, a protein bar in my mouth. And that, nice. is, an actual, that is an actual protein bar. Yeah. Does this go along with the banana comment earlier? Yes. It does. It sure <laughs> does. I'm going to have, I'm going to be like a squirrel for a minute here and just keep it nestled in the size of my mouth. Yeah. Okay, so I'll start That's, with what. Yeah, that, that sounds even worse, man. <laughs> or better, I guess, depending I, on. Now I'm thinking about the pudding you spilled. Your vantage too. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't want black dots in that pudding, man. That's Ooh, uh, that's <laughs> yikes. <laughs> that that's passage. An, that's, that's an infection. Oh yeah. <laughs> That'll bring you to your knees, man. Ooh. Not in the way you want. <laughs> um so we went to the drive in last night. We hadn't been all summer. The summer's flying by. And we uh we caught um <laughs> got the meg oh the meg (laughs) which is pretty mediocre but you know i'm at this age now i talked about this in the group um i'm letting my hair down on a lot of shit with films because my kids i have nine and seven year old boys and while their tastes are you know kind of discerning um they're still nine and seven so there's some fun to be had with stuff like the meg so we watched the meg it was okay it's pretty ridiculous in spots um you know, it was what it was. Uh, I watched Christopher Robin as a second film. Uh, that was fine. A little bit on the nose. <clears throat> and it's funny you mentioned Paddington because Pooh is adorable and always has been. But, man, when they brought Paddington to life, it's like he just out-pooed Pooh in some ways. Yeah. yeah it yeah. makes Pooh seem like a simple beast. I, I hate yeah. to compare the two, but <clears throat> I've out- this one was a little on the nose. I can tell you I've out-pooed Pooh this morning. So <laughs> I'm going to it'll look uh <laughs> that, that protein, and protein yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once that kicks in, yeah. <laughs> mm. Now it was weird because not to get into too much because we're pressed for time, but Ant Man and Wasp is the third film. I wish it was the first film, but we didn't end up watching it because we had to record a show and we'd have got home at fucking four thirty in the morning. So anyone in the GTA go to the New Market drive in. It's gonna called the Starlight. They got a huge concession stand, well run, lots of classic posters for like Kiss Me Deadly and Night in the City. And I was pretty impressed with it. So a little plug for the Starlight Drive-In. Um, Braden's been just pushing to watch Critters because he's, he's really digging in on the shelves lately. Yes. So we threw on Critters and we had a lot of fun with it. I haven't seen it, God, in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it held up pretty well. 
Uh, it was yeah. fun enough. It's got a pretty fun cast. I didn't recall how fun the cast was. So, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm contemplating part two. Um, they got the nude playmate running around. So, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of boobies. A lot of boobies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to be European with some nudity as long as it's not like anal scenes or like heavy sex scenes. You know, like if there's yeah. a breast here, they're like, they cover their eyes. Um, not that we're like programming a ton of stuff with skin, but inevitably sometimes stuff pops up. So, or out. Or out. Or out. Yeah. Right. Or in. Doesn't pop or, in. or in. Yeah, Ooh. there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he did that. William wanted to drop the original Westworld on Braden because he'd sit up with dad and watched it when I did uh, the Cinema Beef podcast and he loved it. So we rewatched it and it's cool, man. Like considering the age of my kids, William says it's like a top five film for him. Um, Braden's like, it's in his top 15 now. William pointed out so many things, which I mentioned, I think on our show, even that how, uh, and I'd never seen it before. Um, how Yul Brenner is almost like the T1000. Yeah. The T1000 is like Yul Brenner, or like it predates some of the sort of slasher stuff and the beats and whatnot. So, yeah, great film, really cool. They want to watch Future World. I've never seen it. Might be a turd, but whatever. We'll roll with it. Um, we watched. Speaking of mediocre rock films, we watched Skyscraper. Oh yeah. Ooh, this was bad. Um, <laughs> I really. This is one more roll on the couch. It's 11 o'clock on a Friday, and I say to myself, fuck it, and I roll over and pass it on the couch. Like, <laughs> I love The Rock, but I don't know how this is going to sound. And anyone who knows me knows I don't mean this in any way beyond how it affects the film creatively, but I just feel like the Chinese funding in this film kind of hampered it a bit. Like, they, they tried to throw too much in, and I think there was some stuff thrown in to appease Chinese censors. Yeah. Um, the film suffered. It could have been fun, but... It's too kind of on the nose, melodramatic. So whatever. Less said the better. Um, drop Tango and Cash on the boys. This was a lot of fun. They it might be their favorite action movie of all time now. Um, which is interesting because it's almost a parody of action movies in a way, right? It absolutely is. <laughs> they, we talked. We talked about Zadar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about Palance and I love just, you know, seeing people in films and saying, yeah, this guy's an amazing actor and plays a bad guy a lot or does this or rah, rah, rah. So that went over really well. It's weird for them because it is a parody and to kind of see Stallone, you know, utter the line Rambo's, uh, I think he says Rambo's a pussy or something or, yeah. yeah, you know, it's hard to describe meta to the kids, yeah. but they're pretty smart. So yeah, they loved it. They went nuts for it. Um, Touch of Evil. Uh, yes. Man, this is one of those shame films for me. It was on Netflix. The second I saw it on there, I'm like, okay, I'm watching this right now. Uh, this was incredible. The opening tracking shot. I mean, it just, man, is it something. Like, I'll be honest. I didn't even, rec- like, I didn't even recognize Orson Welles. Like, yeah. Damn. I think he's such, I mean, a lot's been written about him over the years. You know, but every time I see him and something I've never seen him in, as much as he had a few hiccups uh, late in his career, what a master uh, behind and in front of the camera. Yeah. I, mean, it, I don't think he can be overstated. Um, I don't think his acting's talked about enough. He's a really good actor, man. Oh, my God. He's, he's one of the rare actors that, you know, yes, there was some prosthetics and stuff, but you really lose, like, you don't see him. You mm-hmm. see the role he's embodying. Yeah. 
which is pretty incredible. The film's incredible. Um, the only thing that is a bit of a misstep for me is uh, Heston, that casting of Heston. Not that uh, Heston's a poor actor. Um, he's serviceable, but to have him as a Mexican is ridiculous. Um, but anyway, you know, whatever. It's really great. Uh, we watched Peter Pan with the kids. It was great. And the final one, I'll t- oh, there's so much more I want to talk about, but I'll leave it. Um, I watched Like Father, which was on Netflix. It was Teresa's Choice, Kelsey Grammer, Kristen Bell. This was okay, I guess. Um, had a few moments. Kelsey Grammer's a solid actor who I haven't seen in enough stuff uh, in film. Um, this was okay. It was like a, you know, we're up, the kids aren't up, we're not passing out. She picked it. It's not great, but, you know. I'll never watch it again, right? So that's it. That's everything. Nice, 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 nice. All right. So I've been away for a long time, so I've watched quite a few things. But like I said, I'm only going to touch on the highlights and maybe some of the <laughs> some of the lowlights if I, if I get around to it. Uh, one of the lowlights being the commuter. Eesh. Uh, that was a lowlight for me. That, uh, <laughs> not great. That that's a Liam Neeson, you know, another one on the phone movie. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. God! I'll, I'm always attracted to the the over fifty, the over sixty set in action movies. I mean, I'm attracted to those, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, this one uh, it tries to get a little too Hitchcockian, 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 Hitchcockian. Yeah, yeah, Hitchcockian. I watched the Signal. This is a science fiction movie from 2014. I've been meaning to watch this forever. It's got Larry Fishburne in it and. Uh, uh, a few other folks and stuff, and uh, some people really liked it, and some people didn't. I really liked it. It's really goes some places that I did not expect. So, really enjoyed that. I recommend that highly for people to check out. Uh, did a rewatch of Agiri Wrath of God because you know I'm that kind of person. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> I watched the film uh, Francois, Francois Ozon. Yeah, Double mm-hmm. Lover. Watch Double Lover, which is pretty good, man. It's very Hitchcock, very De Palma. Uh, it makes no sense ultimately, but uh, it's a lot of fun while it's happening, right? And, and yet, <laughs> it makes perfect. Sense. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely movie logic. Uh, it's a movie logic thriller, so it's like, yeah, this shit wouldn't happen, but it's kind of fun while it does. Uh, I recommend it though. I had fun with it. Um, strangers pray at night. Fucking god awful. I, I can't believe that the the strangers. I like the strangers. I know Will liked it too. The first strangers. I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. We both liked Absolutely. it. And it was good. I mean, it was a good home invasion movie. It wasn't, you know, great, but it was solid. This one's terrible, man. I like the setting of the movie. It's like in this trailer park in the country or in the country with a bunch of trailers around. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, but the movie's terrible. There's no suspense. The acting's really bad. I don't know. That's unfortunate, man, because, you know, the trailer park is a setting that I've often thought. Like, sometimes I'll be out, not to be morbid, but you'll be in a setting like... This is such a vulnerable place. Yep. Why isn't a horror movie taking place here at a trailer park? Is was one of those settings that I've yeah. always thought. Why was a slasher never set here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is one that's set kind of like in a very rural area, just where there's trailers kind of interspersed everywhere. And I thought, well, this could be cool, and it turned out yeah. to be not so cool. There was a couple of genuine moments in the first, like I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes, but after that, it was like, oh my god, really rough. Uh, watch Duck Butter. This is a <laughs> film. <laughs> This is a film about uh, basically about uh, passion, a lesbian relationship. It's a very, uh, it's a, you know, two people. They lock themselves in the uh, in the house, and they're going to have sex every I don't know hour on the hour for twenty four hours. Um, this doesn't even begin to touch blue is the warmest color as far as uh, a, a lesbian tale 
of any sort. I mean, this, but it, but it's interesting. It deals with passion and, and things like that. I, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting to get out of it, but I did get the term duck butter out of it, which uh, <laughs> evidently is like a uh, really thick, uh, uh, really, you know, like a, uh, like a smegma, like a, uh, you know, <laughs> slimy vag. There you go. There we go. Ooh, this to be, <laughs> yeah. So one of the girls, she's from Spain. She calls it duck butter. It's like duck butter. It's creamy like duck butter. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's not where I would have went with that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh, it's not as good as it wants to be. I think I think it wants to be hip and everything. It's got Alia Shawkat in it. I think's her name from. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the acting's done well, and there's some really high pivotal emotional moments, but it never really reaches that kind of raw intensity. I think that. Blue is the warmest color reaches. And honestly, I do think it is trying to... It, it, it feels uh, influenced by that film. So, anyway. Uh, I finally called Blade Runner 2049. I liked it. Loved it. Well, I, didn't, I don't know if I loved it. I definitely liked it. It's definitely one of the best-looking films I've seen in the last, I don't know, five years or so. Man, yes. It looks amazing. Um, but I liked it quite a bit. just thought it was way over long in some some aspects. But Beautifully uh, scored as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that... Um, Almost everything about the movie I enjoyed, except it just felt like to me it just kept meandering and going on and on and on. So, uh, but I really did. Uh, I did enjoy it. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. Uh, 80 bucks from Tiffany's. I quite enjoyed. Glad you guys reviewed that. I love that from way back. Um, big Legend. This is a Bigfoot movie, and it's not terrible. It's 2018. Ooh, uh, wow. It's a little bit above average about a guy who loses his fiance to a Bigfoot and then looks for revenge. Uh, the am- the acting is a bit amateurish and stuff, but to be honest with you, they keep the Bigfoot off screen quite a bit, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's uh, this is a random watch. Um, a couple more things. Ghostland. Uh, this is uh, what's his name? Pascal Lager, whatever his name is. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah, this is his new film. So you wouldn't even know that from anything unless you actually look at the film. So I saw the title Ghostland. And I thought, oh, what is this? I checked it out, and I was like, oh, this is from the Martyrs guy. So I checked it out. And again, it's movie logic. It's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty wow. pretty horrific. Again, it's got two women uh, taking a lot of punishment, which starts to make mm. me wonder Starts to make me Start, wonder about yeah, Pascal. A troubling bit. <laughs> pattern here. Yeah. yeah, this one involves a lot of dolls and stuff. So I thought of Emily a lot when I watched this one. So I'm, if she still listens to the show, I hope she checks did, it out. Did you say it involves a lot of olives? A lot of dolls, not olives. Oh, dolls. Yeah. Okay. There may some there, a lot there of may, olive oil dolls. Yeah, there might have been some I was scenes. Going a different way with it. Yeah, well, there might have been some <laughs> scenes that in the film that made you think of the smell of olives. I'll say that. I don't know if that <laughs> yeah, a lot of maybe some bo. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a bizarre film, but I kind of liked it. It's it's a horror film, straight up horror film. It almost feels like Pascal Lager or Lager or however you say his name and uh, Rob Zombie got together and. Then Pascal said, "Hey Rob, I'll show you how it's done." And uh, <laughs> hold my drink. Yeah, there's a little bit more cruelty, a little bit more cruelty in some aspects. So I don't know, but I but I enjoyed it. I don't know what that says about me, but I enjoyed it. Um, I forgot to tell you guys, I've watched the first two Purge films. I've caught up on the Purge. I like Purge Anarchy more than Purge the first Purge, but that's probably because I like Frank Grillo more. Uh, but eh, both of them are just you know they're they're fine. They're not bad. Uh, just a couple more things here. Uh, King Cohen, Wild World of Filmmaker Larry Cohen. Great documentary. Definitely recommend that when that comes out. Everybody should check it out. Larry's uh, got a great memory for everything he does, and he's such a fucking shyster, man. He he just knows how to sell fucking ideas. 
It's amazing the ideas this guy comes up with. Um, white Boy, uh, this is a documentary on White Boy Rick, the uh, drug dealer that got arrested in uh, Detroit. Oh, there's actually a, <clears throat> a movie coming out. I saw yeah. the trailer for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew McConaughey and some other yeah. It's pretty interesting. I won't get into too much detail about it because uh, definitely would hope people check it out. And then, last but certainly not least, I checked out Paul Schrader's First Reformed. Uh, Schrader's always an interesting filmmaker for me. Uh, this is definitely Paul Schrader uh, that I know. Uh, you know, the guy that struggles with his beliefs, struggles with the way, you know, humans deal with things, passions, uh, weaknesses, things like that. And certainly, almost in some ways, it feels almost autobiographical. Not to say that this is what Schrader goes through, but certainly some things he's experienced in his life, it feels like, are here. Um, there's a lot of Taxi Driver in here. There's a lot of uh, The Last Temptation of Christ in here. There's a lot of... All of his hits kind of rolled up into one. If there's any faults to me, I didn't love the ending, but I totally get it. Uh, I don't know what that says, but uh, you'd have to see it to understand it. Because I really thought it was going somewhere else. Not that I would have loved that ending either. But uh, the ending kind of comes out of nowhere, so that's it. Just it really threw me for a loop. I don't know if I didn't like it or if I'm just having trouble processing it. <laughs> but everything How did you catch it? Uh, everything up to that point, I rented it through the the okay. uh, the lovely iTunes, which nice. is you know get some of these things released kind of early, and it's not too bad. Six ninety nine, you know, it's you know, it's a pretty good uh, pretty good price point. Um, yeah, it's out there. It's out there if. Uh, you know, you guys want to check it out in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure it's available everywhere now. But uh, it's uh, it's pretty solid, man. Definitely recommend. High recommend, as we like to say here at the GGTMC. Now, normally, we would take a break, but we're pressed for time, so we're going to jump right into one of these reviews here. Uh, which one you guys want to talk about first? You want to talk some, some boner, or you want to talk some wolf boner? <laughs> uh, you just want to go chronological? Let's do it. When you say wolf boner, do you mean that lipstick, much <laughs> yeah. like a dog? Yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. All right. So we'll go chronological, something we like to do here. Um, let me let me uh, pull up the details here for one. Junior Bonner, uh, Sam Peckinpah, and Steve McQueen. Um, so th- I, this one I wanted to check out because I'd only seen this one once, uh, 1972. Uh, I should say Robert Preston in the film as well and he i bring him up and then and uh joe don baker because they all play some pretty heavy roles out of lapino as well um ace bonner returns to arizona several years after he abandoned his family junior bonner is a wild young man against the typical rodeo championship family drama erupts what a synopsis it's amazing uh <laughs> so this is an interesting film and saying uh peck and paul's kind of uh resume so i don't, I don't know if we ever I don't know if Will had even never seen it. I don't know if we've ever even, I know we never talked about it much, and this one doesn't get talked about as much, and I don't know who wants to take the lead, but I'll let you guys uh, decide that. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess I'll take the lead on this one, right. if, uh, unless Toddy... No, that's fine. To. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, Bonner was one I'd seen a little bit of, and I definitely hadn't seen, though. Um, <clears throat> I'd seen the VHS on... The Shelf of Blockbuster so many times when I was first getting into film, like really, really getting into film and trying to deep dive and expand my horizons. And it just was one that I'd have in my hands, I'd have in the stack. Like, I don't know if it was like five for 20 or what Blockbuster used to have. And it just would be like the sixth one very often, um, unfortunately. 
but uh, yeah, actually, my first note here was Blockbuster. So <laughs> um, that's cool. Now, let me ask you, what, what McQueens have we done before on the show? I'm trying to remember here. Um, I think if any, man, have we done any? Maybe we, I feel like we've done at least one. Have you done Bullet? Nope. No. This because if not, how have we gone <laughs> ten fucking years with no McQueen? Well, like that's that's a travesty. It looks like yeah. uh, looks like it might be correct that we've never done McQueen on the show. I'm looking through Man. his film, I'm looking through his filmography right now, and I don't think <clears throat> unless you talked about the Cincinnati Kid at one point, that's about it. Oh, I think I just talked about watching it though, and I yeah. loved the Ray Charles. Uh, yeah jam for it but man i can't believe that yeah i don't think we've ever done any yeah i'm looking at it right now i don't see anything okay so maybe maybe Uh, by saying the return maybe i I, obviously i'm wrong in the opening but maybe it's just the fact that we've talked about his kind of influence on you know tough guy cinema uh because we've covered so much tough guy cinema and he's pivotal he's pivotal in that right so he's in the mount rushmore i think i mean if i'm going to look at it subjectively I mean, uh, objectively, I should say. I'm sorry. Um, he's probably in that Mount Rushmore, right, as far as tough guy cinema that influenced a lot of the stuff that we love and and was in a lot of the stuff we loved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and collaborated with people we love, like Peckinpah. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, you mentioned the cast briefly. The cast is, is a pretty solid cast. Um, Ida Lupino's good. Ben Johnson, Joe Don, who's a GGTMC favorite. Um, Dub Taylor. There's a lot of old-timers. Bill McKinney. Um, yeah. Robert Preston is really fun and really charming in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a uh, nice, pleasant surprise. Um, Although he's probably one of the last people you think of when you think of something along the lines of a cowboy movie. At least I do. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't be a thing I would necessarily think of. But like I said, he fit the role like a glove. And oh yeah, um, it's interesting. You know, Peckinpah towards the end of his career. Well, towards, I guess, when his health declined for certain reasons. Because um, this is sort of after his big, big uh, run, I believe. Let me see what came after this, other than the Osterman weekend. Um, oh, he still had a few things. Killer Elite. Actually, no, you know what? There was still some really great stuff at Pat Garrett, Alfredo Garcia. So I'm misspeaking by saying that. Um, I was thinking more of like stuff like Convoy and this and kind of stuff that was a bit lighter. But um, Peckinpah. Um, yeah, he may have reached his. Uh, <clears throat> he probably reached. This is really during the height. You got Wild Bunch, yeah. Cable Hoax, Straw Dogs, this, Getaway. Pat Garrett, and then bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. And then after that, you could argue that the decline starts. The Killer Elite, some people really love. Cross of Iron, some people really love. Yeah, I don't really love them. I like them all. But, uh, and then, of course, Convoy, I have a soft spot for, but I fully realize it's not full-on Peckinpah, right? So no, you can see the deterioration of him from uh, the Wild Bunch to to bring me the head. And then after that, everything kind of, his drinking becomes too much, right? Oh, big time. Now, didn't... I'd love to cover Austrian Weekend at some point. It's a really flawed film, but it's such a weird, like... It's weird. Coked out 80s parents yeah. are sneaky. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun. Um, I'll tell you the thing that yeah. always surprises me. Every time I look at his credits, I always get so surprised by the fact that, you know, he directed a couple of videos for Julian Lennon. Those couple of hits that uh, <laughs> Julian Lennon had. That's what I was going to... I was about to say that. that those kind of stick out. Uh, yeah. Gotta, gotta work, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's got to work at that point, I guess. It was a matter of getting anything he could. Um, it's sad to see. I never really think about volume with him in terms of films, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven feature-length films. I would have thought maybe more, but yep. yeah, eleven. Um, so McQueen <laughs> did his own writing uh, in this, which yep. you know that, that's that's classic McQueen, right? It's, it's actually my kids watch this with me. I should say too, and they enjoyed it. Um, I think they would. Uh, his own stunt writing, which is kind of great. Uh, speaking of very great, though, Canadian tuxedos are bound in this. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of them in this. This was the time, and no shirt under them too. I think. I think uh, McQueen wears like he goes with like the real machismo with jean jacket, no shirt, and jeans. Yeah, I think always the thing that always surprises me. Anytime I watch McQueen films from the '70s, I realize you know just how uh, mortal we all are because he's at the top of his game. And, you know, like in eight years, he'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be gone. I mean, he looks great in this movie. And he, he's gone in eight years. It's amazing to me. He does look great. <clears throat> One of the things I like about this film, I think particularly Peckinpah and McQueen both, is obviously they, they were kindred spirits in a lot of ways. But I like the armor being let down. And even though sometimes it misfires a bit with some kind of wacky humor, I think there's some sensitivity in this through Peckinpah's direction and through McQueen's performance, uh, talking about family and relationships and stuff that I found pretty affecting. Um, and just, I think ultimately too, the thing we often get with Peckinpah is people out of place and out of time and still trying to find their foothold, um, yeah. in the world they're in and yeah. the world they're passionate about. I think he always, well, it- go ahead, go ahead, Ty, go ahead. I don't know. I was just going to say the junior. Yeah, he's another. He's another Peck and Paw man past his time character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, he, he keeps his own counsel. He sleeps outdoors. Uh, we assume for financial reasons, maybe. Uh, and you know, he doesn't. Uh, the The modern world, like the construction, the bulldozers, is always encroaching on him and all of his freedom and all that sort of thing. So it's very, very, very much a Peck and Paw. Slow motion bulldozers at that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everything but the squibs. Yeah, yeah. His, uh, yeah, his, uh, you know, a lot of his filmography is about, you know, being a man and the complications of being a man mm-hmm. and uh, dealing with that masculinity. And again, if if you ever read anything about Peckinpah, you'll read that, you know, he had a lot of turmoil about being a manly man and being just a, you know, normal man. He had a lot of turmoil about that. I think he, there's a lot of things that he thought he should do. Uh, because he was a man, and that's that generation, you know, toughen up, you know, get up, wipe it off, you know, whatever, you know, get your bell rung playing football, get up, knock it off, you know, I mean, that, that's a whole generation of that. And only, I think, in the last 15, 20 years has that started to really fade. It's true. It's true. It fucked up a lot of men. I, I've had this conversation, and I, I have this conversation a lot, talking with friends um, and other men just about how. Uh, yeah, the generation we're in and how thankful I am that I was never, I mean, there's some stuff inevitably that speaks to us about Peck and Palm, what he says, but, um, you know, yeah, the generation before us, our, our, our father's generation, they had to be fucked up because of stuff like this. There was almost a, there was a code and obligation yeah. to be what masculinity was sort of broadly defined as, right? Yeah. So I still hear so it. We, I still hear it from like, you know, guys in their fifties and sixties, you know, something's oh yeah. not going right. You still hear man up. You still hear man that. up. Don't be a pussy. Yeah, stuff like that. I, I was just Shit at like a, that. my son was at a friend's football practice the other day because my son's interested. And we went and the coach uh, was calling all the little kids pussies. 
Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's still the world we live in down here. This is the South. In the South, you play football, you're a pussy if you don't hit. <laughs> Man. You hit. You lower the head and you hit. <laughs> and that's the way it goes. Fuck. And that's the you know that that's the generation that's the way the world works. I mean, then it's it's a it's something I don't want my son to be in, but he he, he no. he's interested, so he'll have to that's, he'll have to tow that road himself if he decides to go that way. Yeah, that's a tough a tough thing. Um, I like uh, you know another thing that that we see a lot with Beck and Paws. I mean, he he did obviously films with male relationships, The Wild Bunch, Pat Garrett and Blay the Kid. But we also get a lot of isolation uh, with the men in his films, men of action, men of few words, people that are isolated uh, either through where they feel their place in society is or isn't uh, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, because someone says to him, how's the bull riding? He says, lonesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very quiet openings. He goes to the gas station, gets some fruit for his horse. You see, you get, you know, you're getting this thumbnail sketch of a guy who's more comfortable with his horse than he is with people and society. Yeah. Um, well, he kind of, you know, who uh, he kind of echoes uh, Kirk Douglas in "Lonely Are the Brave," okay, uh, a little bit because he's kind of like that. You know, it's an independent man. You know, it's um, it's just like you're saying. It's uh, you know, he he just kind of sticks to himself. He uh, he does his own thing, uh, and you know, I think that for him, his uh, his freedom is pretty much everything. Um, I mean, that's the the long and the the short of Junior Bonner from what from what I got out of it, aside from like what you guys are saying, uh, about, um, you know, masculinity and all that sort of thing. And that goes towards, uh, the whole thing with, uh, Ace and Curly. Um, I think that, you know, Ace is a, a dreamer in like a, that get rich quick sort of way. Yeah. Uh, and Cur- Curly's a hustler, but for a dream that he's selling, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and then, so yeah, he's kind of like a, a gentrification and, uh, um, uh, like an uh, emasculation of like the cowboy spirit yep. that uh, that Junior and Ace kind of, of uh, held on to for so long. Yeah. Well, you touch on something I really like right there because what you got is you got two brothers. You got Joe Don yes. Baker and you got Steve McQueen's character, Junior Bonner, Curly Bonner and Junior Bonner. And they both come from the same dad and same mother and they're both very different. Uh, and they see masculine. There's a great line by Joe Don Baker in the film where he says, I'm working on my first million and you're still working on eight seconds. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And, but that's, that, that might as well be a duel at, in the middle of town square when he says that, because he's basically saying, you know, this is my way of being a man. That's your way of being a man. And you know, he thinks that Bonner's pathetic. And then of course, Bonner mm-hmm. thinks that he's pathetic because he thinks he's selling out. He's a sellout. Yeah. But both of them are both like two different sides of Curl of uh, of the Robert uh, Preston character. Um, they are, and they and the, I think that that happens a lot with brothers. Uh, I know me and my brother, we share some similarities, certainly in our looks and other things, and certainly in some of the ways we our body language and things. But we couldn't be more different as people. His belief system is totally the opposite of mine, oh, and yeah. it's interesting because you know our parents were the same parents, but he came out of it with one thing, and I came out of it with the other. Yeah. Well, Curly, you know, Curly in this, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, the quasi villain, um, when he's the responsible one. Right. And he's, yeah. uh, he's try he's uh, tired of financing his dad and, you know, he does look out for his family, but his values are, are just different and it's yeah. played straight. It's not, well, he doesn't see the romanticism of the old West, right? He, right. Exactly. He's a very pragmatic sort of, you know, mm-hmm. cash in hand guy. Uh, and you know, this is, uh, 
the way that he's uh, he's living life is is in this sort of more concrete reality um, than the uh, the other Bonners are uh, are one. Yeah, I think the thing I like too is when you talk about this two sons being two sides to Barbara Preston's Ace Bonner. You know, one is at his most um, like if if Robert Preston's greedier or I'll just say Ace's Ace's greedier impulses got the best of him because he's he's a bit of a a rogue, a level rogue or charming sort of you know, looking for the get rich quick scheme, but he still has a heart. Yeah. Um whereas Curly is almost like I'm gonna I'm, he's gonna be better than his father, right? So the heart yeah. gets removed from the equation yeah. a little bit. Uh-huh. The soul gets removed and yeah. um Steve McQueen's junior is uh, Ace at his most sort of stubborn and clinging to the past, right? Yep. yep. And this romantic notion, right? One's all head of uh, I'm stumbling through this. One's all Ace's head. One is all Ace's heart. Yeah. And yeah. there needs to be a bit of both. Yeah. To really, yeah. uh, you know. Well, look uh, at look at uh, Curly's business. It's like an amusement park, kinda. Yeah. You know, you got that cartoon of uh, Joe Don's face, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, and, and the way that he says it, you know, it may all be the way the way of the future, the way of the future. But you know, it, you get the the very distinct feeling that it offends Junior Bonner. Um, you know, there's a oh certain, yeah, there's a, there's a loss of certain values uh, that comes with this progress. And I think to him, to the character, and I think even to Peckinpah, certainly, uh, yeah. it's crass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, it's just one of those things, one more of those things uh, yeah. that uh, that kind of links in with what we've been saying. Yeah, and it's obvious Peck and Paul falls on the side of Bonner, right? I mean, he fa- on Junior Bonner, I should say, to me. Yeah. Like, he, he he puts Joe Don Baker's, you know, vantage point out there, and he understands that that's reality, but it's obvious the romanticism is of being that man, that loner, that cowboy, yeah. is where the film wants to go. Well, here's here's the thing. Um, because we're talking about how, how the, uh, the characters are, are into that romantic ideal of the, um, the, uh, the West and that, but if you look at the beginning of it with the slow motion, the split screens and McQueen himself, you know, the, the rodeo life isn't really presented as a spectacle It's presented as a really exhausting, tough job. Yeah. Grind. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's at least I thought a very world weary opening, but at the same time, you definitely get the sense that this makes these guys happy because of how arduous it is because of how it feels like an achievement, uh, like how, um, you know, junior wants to ride the toughest bull and you got to wonder if it's more out of desperation for money than anything else. And you're like, well, you know, it could be either way. Right. Absolutely, man. Yep. No, absolutely. I was going to say that too. Yeah, it does feel like a grind. Um, and I think it's that thing where we see a lot with his characters. There's a romantic thing to sort of see things through, regardless of the cost or the outcome. Right? It's going to be written into the dirt. Um, it should be said. I don't know if anybody knows this. I've read some few biographies and stuff, but uh, Joe Don Baker and Peck and Paul did not like each other at all. Really? Yeah. Um, Joe yeah, Don I kind Baker of find that of, easy to believe. Yeah, Joe Don Baker thought he was a bully. Mm-hmm. Joe Don Baker thought he was a bully. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's a, hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, but he thought he was a bully. So That's interesting, I, man. I know. That's I remember reading that. I remember reading that and thinking, wow, because, you know, Peckinpah was a diminutive little guy. I mean, he was not a big dude at all. He was a little dude. 
overcompensating, I would imagine. Yeah, like the Napoleon complex a little bit. But he was, you know, like yeah. I said, again, he was very much a tough guy. You know, he, you know, you drank until you passed out. You fucking did coke until you did whatever. You know, you just you did whatever. You know, and you were a man. And I think Joe Dunn Baker, you know, he's eighty three years old now. Um, he's outlived both McQueen and Peck and Paul. <laughs> and you wouldn't have thought that. You know, Joe Dunn no. Baker, he's a, he's a big husky, you know, Texan. You know. You would have thought about a heart heart attack or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. No, easy sure. going dude, evidently in real life, Joe Don Baker. So he's which? He's an easy going guy in real life, evidently. That's awesome. I'd love to meet him, man. That guy's got stories for days, <laughs> for days, stories for days for sure, man. Um, one of the things I always love about McQueen, and it's one of the things he's always used well, because a lot of times he isn't the guy I think that feels comfortable with words, minimalist acting, and some of the, um. I lost my, the quiet kind of regret and weariness in his eyes. It, it's always been something he could just pull out. And I think Baby Goose tries to play that trick, too. And McQueen does it so well. Um, yeah. Yeah, some actors just have something that the camera loves. And McQueen, every time I think of that, I think of Steve McQueen. Because, absolutely. honestly, and I've, I've said this before on the show, I've heard audio interviews with him and stuff like that. To me, he just... And this sounds awful. I, I don't mean to say this in a negative way. He just sounds like a kind of a, a goofy kind of guy that got lucky. And when, mm-hmm. he, when, I, when I hear him talk in interviews and stuff, and like he doesn't really, to me, he's not a guy that really knew the actual craft of acting, but he had this one thing that he believed in that I think the camera loves, yeah. and that's reacting, right? Like he knew how to react to everything. And yeah. he, he would cut major portions of his dialogue out. He would always, any script he got, he would cut tons of dialogue out. Um, because he just thought you could do so much with this look. And he was right for him. He was right. He was absolutely right. Because I think, listen, he was great, but he knew his limitations. And it's when you get an actor who knows their limitations and they pick projects that aren't going to. It's like doing karaoke, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If we do, if we can sort of stick to sort of the Frank Sinatra's, the Johnny Cash songs, um, or it's sort of the ha- doing Barry White in a kind of a hammy way. We don't get exposed, man. But you you go to hit that high note, yeah. you're gonna get exposed real quick. <laughs> try to and do no that. Rob no Rob Halford on the karaoke. Yeah, no yeah no Halford uh, power stance on no, the karaoke. No matter how much you no matter how I always say this. No matter how much you like Bad Out of Hell, don't try to be Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It'll, it it doesn't work out for so many people. I've seen try to do mm-hmm. you know took mm-hmm. the words right out of my mouth or two out of three ain't bad. It just <laughs> It's like, whoa. Oh, God. <laughs> there's a lot of bad karaoke jams out there, man. Oh, there's some bad ones, oh. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I got a ton more notes. I won't go through them in inches of time. But I like the relationship that Ace has with Junior because it's not toxic. Like, there's a genuine love and a fondness for each other's company in spite of some of the the history that we've kind of we sort of cobbled together through some of their scenes. Like when they're riding and uh, I think Junior's, there's that exchange where Junior says, we could have won. And Ace says, we did, son. The father-son stuff, as always, would, would really get to me. And I think because it feels authentic, it feels lived in, um, it works really well. And, you know, much like the last picture show, I think there's sort of a doomed romanticism and something poetic and tragic about the backdrop of the film. And McQueen's awareness that this world is coming to an end but also the how unaware the town is that their way of life is coming to an end in some ways and yeah well it's it's interesting 
it's interesting you say that because there's that that scene where Ace and Junior take off from the city street uh, where the parade's going on. And they go over to an old dilapidated train station to have a drink, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's another opportunity for Ace to you know hit up one of his kids. Uh, and then Peckinpah does this wonderful thing where he, he, you know, they become physically separated by a train passing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really just speaks volumes without having to say anything. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to connect, yeah. but they can't connect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Things just keep on moving in a different direction. Um, a couple more just quick things. Uh, the barroom brawl felt like a Burt Reynolds barroom brawl. So I, felt, I, was, I thought of Hal Needham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have to believe how Needham saw this film and thought, this will be my whole career going forward. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, man. It just felt like it totally felt like that. I immediately thought of like the bar fight in Hooper and and a few other things. Yeah. (laughs) But the the great part is that they all stopped for the Star Spangled Banner, but there's still a couple of licks getting uh, (laughs) getting in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, and uh, I love the telephone booth love in that scene. Oh, yeah. It's kind of it's fun, right? And it, there's some kind of charming comedic stuff because sometimes comedic stuff doesn't always hit, but there's some charm in this. Um, and one thing I want to mention before I jump off my notes is I want to mention how uh, Peckinpah is not always known for something like I said, Pimp Peckinpah. Peckinpah is not always known for his nuanced portrayal of women, but I think from time to time he got it right. Um, it wasn't maybe that he didn't care. It was that he was more fixated, obviously, on men, the relationship with each other and with themselves. But Ida Lupino puts in a small but really great performance. She's very weary. Yeah. She's heard everything that Ace has said over the years countless times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she puts in a really great per- performance. It's it's economical, but it's really good. Yeah. I like um, it, too. It's very good. Yeah, very, very good. And uh there's a moment when uh, her palms, he kisses her palms. It really feels really authentic and yep. just works. It would have felt too on the nose maybe for kissing the forehead. But Although I got anyway. I got to say, Ada Lupino, she could have been Bud Court's mom. Uh, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> she, every time I looked at her, I kept seeing Bud Court. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Man, it's true, and I'll just say this. The last thing I said Lupino is I like to do crossword puzzles, and it seems like she's one actress that pops oh. up in every third or fourth uh, crossword puzzle. Man, oh, yeah, yeah. Lupino. Yeah, yeah. She's, yep. a cross, she's a crossword puzzle favorite. Yeah, that's actually how – this is – Tells you a lot about pop culture. That's actually how I learned who Ada Lupino was from crossword puzzles. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I kept I know, asking my true. parents. I was like, "Who the fuck is Ida?" I, mean, I didn't say that, but I was like, "Hey, hey, ma, dad, who the fuck is Ida Lupino?" <laughs> yeah, my balls itch over here. Too many Ever G. Robinson films when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, you see? Yeah. You pounded on the desk, got a cigar in your mouth. Yeah. Who's out of who's out of Lapino, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Somebody give me a racer, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Um I I don't know. Todd, do you wanna Todd, do you wanna go? Uh about the only thing that I really have to add outside of uh what we've all been talking about is that this is a, one of those movies where you get to see Joe Don dance a little, and I'm very appreciative for that. Yeah. 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 yeah he cuts a rug. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, pretty much every other note, uh, will either went over or, uh, I interjected with. So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting film in, uh, Peck and Paw's, uh, filmography. It almost feels like a bridge. Like he, you know, you think about what he did, uh, straw dogs is a very harsh movie. Um, mm-hmm. 
a film I love, obviously, but I, I can see where, you know, he was in a dark spot, you know, when he made that movie. Uh, obviously, The Wild Bunch is a is a pinnacle. I mean, uh, for some, it's his masterpiece. Uh, for me, it's very close to his masterpiece. I'm more of a straw dog guy, but totally love The Wild Bunch. Let's not let's not mince words here. And of course, Alfred, Alfredo Garcia is another amazing film that it feels like after all the his career almost feels like highlights, and then like you know all the criticism gets to him. But Bonner is in the middle. And if you look at his filmography, Wild Bunch, Cable Hogue, Straw Dogs, and then Bonner, and then after that you got Getaway, Billy the Kid, and and Zamfir, <laughs> and then uh, Alfredo Garcia, you can see this kind of up and down uh, trajectory uh, that I almost feel like he's reacting to, you know, like the, the criticisms against him sometimes. And I found I found that kind of interesting uh, looking at this one because this one does feel light in some ways, very light, really for Peckinpah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, there's some very much some comedic moments. I mean, Preston takes Steve McQueen on what's easily maybe one of the worst horse rides in cinema history. Oh, man, does he ever. I mean, they hit every clothesline. They run through every yard. Uh, I think there's some fruit ever. stands that get knocked over. I was about mistaken. to say, there's some fruit stands, <laughs> gators hit, trying to hit them, swerving into them, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff going on, and it's it's interesting to me. Uh, this When I saw this film the first time, I didn't like it because I wanted – I wanted a Sam Peckinpah movie, right? <clears throat> and I was too yeah. I was too uneducated film-wise to realize this is totally a Sam Peckinpah movie. I mean, this is all about the same themes that he would revisit over and over again about what it means to be a man, at least in his perception, uh, what it means to, to have those relationships with both men and women, or even with your surroundings. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting now watching it as an older man uh, that I appreciated a lot more than I did uh, originally because originally, you know, I wanted another Straw Dogs. I wanted another Wild Bunch. I wanted another Alfredo Garcia. I had seen all those before I'd seen this. So that's what I wanted, but, you know, doesn't mean you'll always get it. So anyway, I don't know if I really like this film and, and him and McQueen or The Getaway and him and McQueen. I think those are the two they did together. And I really like some of the stuff he does in The Getaway with McQueen, but. I also really like some of the stuff he does with Bonner here. Um, I love the scene where Bonner's just eating like a motherfucker. I mean, I know it's a simple thing, but there's that scene where he just sits down and it's like he hasn't had a home-cooked meal in like, you know, 10 years. And he just keeps eating with the family and just keeps throwing down. And there's a as, lot... Of, as he would, man. That yeah. guy's sopping up gravy with biscuits for days. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's some great moments between Steve McQueen's character and Ben Johnson as well. Who, uh, you know, arguably Ben Johnson is, you know, him and R.G. Armstrong may be the most quintessential uh, uh, Peck and Paw actors in a way. Uh, man, I really popped the mic on that Peck and Paw. I really threw the pee down hard on the pickling pickled peck- peppers there, yeah. by <laughs> pickled, pickled peppered Peck and Paw. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, you yeah. yeah, you see? Yeah. Right. Yeah, same Peck and Paw. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> And Dub Taylor's in here as well, and Dub Taylor's fun, you know. You know, and then of course, like I said, Bill McKinney, who's you know forever, who may be, you know, the one actor in life who probably you know did the one role that would stick with him forever, <laughs> maybe more than any other. Every time I see him, you know, I can't help but think of Deliverance. I mean, it's just you know, yeah. I think everybody thinks of Deliverance when they see Bill McKinney. So it's just one of those un- unfortunate turns, or maybe fortunate turn. I don't know. Gave him a career out of it, so. Anyway, neither here nor there. 
Uh, I wanted to, there was something else I wanted to touch on. Um, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I'm looking. Oh, uh, oh, I, I'll give you one other tidbit. I was looking through the trivia on actually the IMDb, and it's in there too. But I remember reading that uh, McQueen, for a joke, would often uh, the the bad bull in the film, Evil Sunshine. I think's the name of the bad bull, the bull he ends up riding. Uh, they would uh, he would get uh, get let it get loose quite a bit, <laughs> and evidently, and evidently, this bull was a mean son of a bitch, and uh, uh, he would do it for a joke, and people didn't think it was very funny. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't think that that's not man. Yeah. Yeah, this movie makes uh, rodeo riding look like zero fun to me, personally. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. Lot of aches and pains, a lot of bumps oh my and bruises. God. So bull riding has always, being a cowboy, professional rodeo and everything else, it's always kind of reminded me of professional wrestling, right? It's like you do this for, I mean, there's more of a competitive nature to it than, obviously, professional wrestling's a show. But it's still the same concept. You're basically putting on a show and you're destroying your body for what reason? You know, like football or rugby or soccer or maybe any other very physical sport i mean you're you know you might do it for the competition but you're also you know you're you're deteriorating your body at a faster pace for a reason uh you know and some of that's entertainment whether you want to admit it or not so i find it interesting that uh, people would do that for a living it's something i would never do for a living no get on a bull <laughs> i mean it's no interest whatsoever <laughs> no man no I don't even like being around them. I've, I've been around more than a handful in my day, and it's the, they're the kind of animal that uh, unpredictable is the, is the word I would use. And, and uh, anybody I've ever had around me that's been around one, I've always steered them clear because I'm like, man, you just don't know when, you know, something, uh, you know, literally the cartoon re- reaction like of the bee, like the Looney Tunes where the, the bee stings the bull. <laughs> you know, and you know the bull thinks the person did it, and then the bull goes insane. Well, I mean, literally, I've seen bulls go from completely docile and eaten to all of a sudden just hearing the thump on the ground and being like, "Holy shit, run!" Because <laughs> we're dead meat if we don't run. I mean, this bull will fuck you up, and uh, when they're mad, they will fuck you up and keep fucking you up. So, oh yeah, they're tossing you around. Yeah, they got tempers. Uh, so. Anyway, interesting, uh, interesting uh, film nonetheless. Okay, uh, I don't like I said I don't really have much more, um, but I think we've touched all the points on this. We can, so let's get into MVTs and make a break score. Okay, so uh, just quickly talking about bull riding. I, I've talked about this on the show a while ago, but I don't think I want to, I want people to see it. Check out Chloe Zhao's film The Rider. It's about a rodeo cowboy. It's uh, kind of blurs lines between my. Um, reality and fiction so yeah. check it out i know that sounds random but i was thinking about that. you guys were talking about how no. hard it is to ride bulls <clears throat> that movie's how on my list to watch i haven't watched it yet. Well, well i thought about you too when i watched it i went to see it with my dad on his birthday and it really um it really stuck with me yeah um so not to digress but that's that uh, as far as this film make or break um hmm <laughs> yeah that's a tough one there isn't really like a signature scene i don't know I, i'm gonna go with like the ridiculous ride maybe with ace and no, no, I'm going to go with the scene when um, uh, Junior shows up to Curly's uh, financial funhouse, where he's turned the Wild West into like a, <laughs> yeah. a flea market and a circus. And yeah. it's kind of, uh, I think that really shows the divide and how families, you know, raised in the same environment can come up completely different and where the disconnect can come, right? Right. Between family. Um, my MVT, I'm going to go. Hmm. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Peck and Paw because McQueen's great in the film. Um, 
but I no no I'm gonna go with the era like this this setting for the film because I think it is one that I, I really love seeing in film and it is certainly sort of romantic and poetic you know at the end of an era um, my score for the film is a 7.25 out of 10 um, it's a good film uh, it's not like operational on Peckinpah but even when Peckinpah was operating at half speed there's a lot of uh, meat on the bone still and there's a lot that you can sort of chew on. Um, so yeah, this is a solid, solid film. All right, Todder. Alrighty, uh, MVT for me is going to be Peck and Paw. Uh, McQueen may be the star, but uh, I think Sam's running the show. Um, it's like uh, you were kind of saying, Sammy, how McQueen wasn't really versed in in acting. He just had a certain quality about him. Peckinpah knew how to to uh, exploit that to the fullest potential, yeah. and he does so very well here. Um, make or break for me is the demolition of Ace's house. Uh, I think it's the perfect visual distillation of the film's conflicts, and I'm giving it a seven point five out of ten. Um, it's you know, a quieter, more sentimental peck and paw, but it's still very much, as we've been saying, it's still very much peck and paw. Uh, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. I'm glad I finally saw it, you know, for how long I had not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Um, uh, my MVT, I'm going to go with, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Robert Preston. Uh, I really liked him in the film. Uh, he's got this kind of dashing do kind of, uh, you know, chivalrous attitude but at the same time he's a he's a bit of a shithead um in some ways in some of his ways treats his relationships he's very narcissistic uh but i'm using some sammy logic here i don't know when i'd ever give it to robert preston again outside of the music man (laughs) if we reviewed that (laughs) but uh um you know i like mcqueen a lot in the film i love peck and paul's direction in the movie i love joe don baker in the movie as little as he's in it and stuff he's really outstanding when he is in there and lapino's great as well all the acting is really good uh, the filmmaking's pretty solid as well. You can't knock either one, but Preston, when he comes on screen, there's a there's a different kind of uh, energy the film gets. And um, him and McQueen together kind of gets into my make or break. I really did like that scene between, even though it is a bit on the nose of them showing them, you know, going on the wild horse ride, knocking things over, you know, reliving the cowboy days, and then stopping for a minute and realizing, you know, life's about to change for them all, and you know they have to let some things go and accept some things. And I don't think Preston or McQueen really want to let accept some things and they can't connect, uh, no matter how hard they try to connect. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a troubled relationship no matter, you know, I mean the movie never really full blown goes, you know, I hate you dad or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm disappointed in you son, but it does, it does show that, you know, even if our intentions are pure, or unpure, or whatever we're trying to do, raising families and things like that. You know, the things we do affect our kids and affect the the people around us in some way, shape, or form. And sometimes that can lead to a lifelong disconnect. Not that they don't love each other. It's, it's clear they love each other. But the connection's just not there. Even though they share the same love. It's, it's very bizarre. But I, th- I think it's very real, because I think that's the case. I mean, you know. Related to me, both me and my dad love music, but we cannot connect. We could cannot connect connect on anything. So, you know, music was the one thing we had, but we couldn't even connect on that half the time. So there you go. Um, seven point seven five is going to be my score. Uh, I really do like it. It's not great peck and ball, but it's really solid peck and ball. And and really, out of all of his films, it's one of the most interesting if you go back and look at it. So, 
Uh, that's our thoughts on the Junior Bonner uh, to get Frenchy on you. Uh, we're going to take a short break. <clears throat> Man, almost Frenched with something in my throat there. <laughs> we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss something that is purely peck and polish, and that's Larry Cohen's Full Moon Eye. We'll yes. be back uh, right after this. Do you like great music? Do you like in-depth podcasts? Do you like the idea of putting great music under the microscope? If you answered yes, no, or fish to any of these questions, Love That Album is the show for you. Every month, Morris and a fellow music fanatic discuss a particular album in detail. They'll cover the performer, the history behind the recording, the musicianship, common thematic elements between the songs, and how many drugs were consumed during its creation. Well, maybe not so much of the last bit. So, if you want to hear a podcast bringing perspective to great rock, jazz, folk, punk, and sea shanty music, then subscribe to Love That Album Podcast at Apple Podcasts or download directly from lovethatalbum.blogspot.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, We come back in with some laughter there, and uh, we're going to discuss a film from Sammy's Youth. Uh, so again, I was much turned to choose from Diabolic and everything they offer. Again, head over there, Diabolic DVD, tell them we sent you. Please, we love the uh, the attention they give us. And uh, so I, you know, Full Moon High got released on Blu-ray. And out of all Larry Cohen's films, this was the one that I always thought I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, but I hadn't seen it in many years, so that's I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, there's still some things I enjoyed, but I'll. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. But anyway, Full Moon High, 1981, directed directed and written by Larry Cohen. Uh, a teenager play, becomes a werewolf after a family vacation in Transylvania. Uh, I don't know who wants to lead on this. It sounds like a it almost sounds like a totter from the get go. But uh, you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Todd wants to lead on it or not. Or <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. We could do that. Um, <laughs> that half-hearted. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so this thing I had never seen. Um, out of all of uh, Cohen's f- films, and I'm, I'm, I guarantee you there's a bunch of other th- that I haven't seen, but I never saw this one. Um, and it's kind of funny because it would have been right up my alley, and especially – uh, coming what directly before Teen Wolf, yeah. Uh, which is you know this is kind of in that realm at least. Uh, though certainly Teen Wolf plays it a little straighter, <laughs> actually a lot straighter. Which is which is uh, crazy. <laughs> That's crazy when you think about it, right? That is crazy, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, you know it starts off with a football game, and there's animal sounds during the game, and you know it's really on the nose, uh, and. It was around this time that it, it, it occurred to me, and this is only like a minute in, uh, that a lot of this is really, I think, well, I thought, no, I think, I still do think, uh, it's really labored and obvious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's really the big problem that I wound up having with it. I mean, there's there's things in here to like, 
um, like, you know, uh, Adam Arkin and, uh, Ed McMahon, who's his, his dad, uh, eat, sitting there eating shit on a shingle. Uh, but it looks like they're doing it without the shingle, right? Uh, they're just having their chip beef. Uh, I with something which I, I never liked. My dad liked it. Uh, but yeah, it I, seems I, like a Todd dish to me, to be honest. Oh, uh, so funny. you eat scrapple, Matt. You eat scrapple. Scrapple's different. Scrapple is completely in another. That's completely apples and oranges. Oh, man, neither one is apples or oranges. Chipped but... beef and scrapple. Uh, <laughs> potted potted meat and chipped beef is a uh, same thing, sort of. Uh, oh, potted meat. Potted meat. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a. That sounds disgusting. Well, that's a southern thing. It comes in tin cans. You open it up. You like spread corned it, beef. You spread it on pack crackers. No, not as good as corned beef. Because I used to love some canned corned beef as a kid. Bad, bad. As bad for you as corned beef. Probably, oh but, God, yeah. Potted but, meat. You know, check it out. I'm gonna Google that <laughs> on the quiet here while Todd's talking I, about. I, I once ate beef. bacon out of a can. I'll just leave that there. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about fucking grotesque? That's that. Um, yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, but it was bacon, so yeah, there's still. that. But the the whole movie is, you know, it's kind of like a satire of, well, partially at least, uh, satire of '50s values, as much as it is like a, a send up of um, horror movies, werewolf movies. Um, and you, know, you got you got things like Dad's a True Blue American and Janie's, you know, sex craze and the coaches. Uh, <laughs> screechingly gay. Um, oh, man. Yeah. That's, and, uh, Sammy would say that subtle acting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Pol- politically incorrect uh, homosexual oh, gym teacher. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing. It, it, you know, the, the first thing it's going to make you think of, obviously, is going to be Mel Brooks. Um, yeah, and I think that it these sorts of movies, these sorts of like you know spoofs, if you want to call them that. Uh, I think that they work the best when they are as good of an example of the f- type of film they're spoofing as they are a spoof. Uh, and this one isn't. Uh, so it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like wisecracks. Yeah. Um, you know, one after another, you know, and, and there's a couple of good things like, you know, when they go to the Romania, Ed McMahon is turning out hookers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is something that you just never see along yeah. with, you know, Ed McMahon getting out of the shower. So yeah, there's that. Uh, but there's it, also Bob Saget in the shower at one point. So this film yes. does give us Ed McMahon in the shower yeah. and Bob Saget in the shower. So lots of showering. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, it, 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 you know, it's a gag a minute type of movie. Some work, some don't. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, Arkin to me seems really disinterested uh, in pretty much every in every moment that he's on screen. Uh, and Adam or Alan? Adam. Okay. Are you kidding? Alan is like, holy Christ, he's a dynamo compared to Adam. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Alan's uh, Alan, yeah, Alan Arkin's fun in the movie. Uh, oh um, my God, yeah, he's, he's great. <laughs> he's outstanding, and and that's actually another thing that I'll get to in in just just a couple of minutes here. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the whole thing with Arkin is you know he, he's just he's he kvetches through the whole movie. It's like, <laughs> oh, what is that? Oh, wow, wow. It's just yes. like, oh, like you know he he has the he has uh, one line that I wrote down, and it was only because I I could only stand to write down one line. Yeah. Uh, was pee on me and let's call it a night all right uh it's <laughs> yeah yeah so but, what what i didn't remember about the film as much uh, being a grown-up as i did when i was a kid right is first of all i remember being much more about sex 
which oh, yeah. is totally the way a kid sees a movie, right? You know, I saw saw yep. this, you know, I saw this in single digits, you know, eight or nine or ten years old. So I thought I was getting away with something, and there is some sexual stuff there and everything, but it's and it's a bit perverted, but it is what it is. But the, you know, and when I say a bit perverted, you know, you got the basically the 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 high, the mom that went to school with Adam. Uh, Arkin's character now she's a grown up and you know, he's supposedly still in school so there's that whole angle and maybe that says something about Sammy and and maybe that says something about me seeing taboo too many times when I was a kid <laughs> or something but uh, either way what that taboo was that the Rod Steiger movie yeah exactly the uh, yeah that's exactly <laughs> the one and I'm sticking to it uh, the uh, but you know I mean so. What I don't remember, I didn't remember. I mean, this is Larry Cohen doing Woody Allen doing. Yes. Uh, doing some, Mel Brooks. Doing Mel Brooks and thinking he's funny. Yes. And probably the only person that thinks this movie's funny, honestly, is Larry Cohen. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, there is. Uh, I mean, very, very rarely do I watch a quote unquote comedy and not laugh. Are you watching this? I mean, I had a, I smirked a few times. Yeah, but wow, it's bad. Well, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, you know, there's there's a few things. You know, I, I like stuff that like you know he's just biting people on the ass, right? Yeah, and that's kind of like ah, okay, that's cute. Yeah, but that's like, like a one trick pony. Yeah, I like that. I like that caveat, but it's just you know, it's right. But I think that I think that the majority of the enjoyment that I got out of this movie came from the character actors. Uh, that are in the the movie in their little cameo roles, like you know, uh, like Kenneth Mars as the coach. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. Or uh, Louis Nye as the uh, the Reverend at the funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alan Arkin as the uh, the shrink. All that stuff I thought was outstanding, and, and everything around it is just kind of like, Meh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I I did think though that you know I thought it gets a little bit interesting once time passes and. Uh, you know, like you said, he comes back to the school and it's his destiny to help the team uh, beat the other school because you get that kind of, you know, the school's gone downhill, kind of like a lean on me kind of thing or the principal or something like that. Um, but even then, it just, you know, I thought it picked up a little bit there. It didn't pick up enough, but it picked up a little bit there. Um, you know, you get you get the uh, the precursor to the Teen Wolf dance, like the actual Teen Wolf dance, like dance that they would do in Teen Wolf. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. So we can. There's another one that uh, Teen Wolf stole from this movie. I tell you, the you get, Teen Wolf. In retrospect, I've seen Teen Wolf a ton of times, but in oh fact, yeah. Teen Wolf is. It might be the the Citizen Kane of teenage werewolf movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael Landon might disagree with that. Yes, he, he might. He might. He might. Yes. Although I have never seen Teen Wolf two, and uh, also uh, <laughs> it's not good. It's not the, bad. The ginger, ginger snaps <laughs> not, might not disagree either. with you. Ginger snaps would absolutely yeah, say yeah. Oh, you all are got yes. it twisted. Yes, yes. Ginger snaps is the uh, answer to that question. Yeah, the, what is Ginger Snaps, Alex? The premature <laughs> werewolf movie is Ginger Snaps, probably is. Yes. yes. Uh, but you get a little Jim J. Bullock in there, uh, and he's classic Jim J. Bullock. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Talking with subtle actors. Has there yeah, ever right? been a more one-dimensional actor than Jim J. Bullock? I mean... Oh, bite your tongue. <laughs> maybe, maybe Charles Nelson Reilly, maybe? We're doing our Charles Nelson Reilly impersonations. <laughs> we went from Edward G. That's Robinson funny. to Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for one of us to do Paul Lynn next. 
Oh, oh Charlotte. Paul <laughs> well, God bless him. Great Halloween special, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but apparently a royal asshole in real life. But oh, that's, un- that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. But... Regardless. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Alan Arkin, you know, he, he comes to his son's rescue, I think, in this movie, like I've been saying. Uh, you know, he could sell the material. Um, and, you know, it keeps coming up every time, at least for me, every time one of the supporting actors come up. And that's, by and large, uh, my big takeaway from the film. If it hadn't been for those uh, cameos, I, I don't think I would have liked this movie nearly yep. as much as yeah, I did, yeah. which is not a lot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to basically to sum it up, I... Uh, I, I kept finding myself checking out on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a few clever moments. It's breezy enough, really. Uh, but I, I, I would not put this up as being a, a Cohen uh, high watermark at all. No, 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 no. So no, this... different from a lot of his material too. Well, yeah. it's different, and it's, 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 I think it's nice that he was always or is always, uh, well, was always, uh, depending on how you want to look at his career at this point. Um, you know, trying different things or, you know, just throwing shit at the wall, trying to see what sticks. And I like that, but this one uh, really didn't stick so much. Yeah. You know, they can't all be, they can't all be home runs. Right. And that's kind of the, where yeah. this movie falls. Yeah, yeah. Even for Larry Cohen. I mean, you're not going to hit it out of the park sure. every time. I mean, you're sure. just not. Yeah. I think he struck out on this one. I, I, he, he will argue, I think in interviews and everything else that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes and stuff, but I think he was just trying to, in typical Larry Cohen fashion, uh, you know, the early '80s were a ripe time for you know the beginning of horror comedy, and and Airplane was huge, right? And and everything. I think he was trying to jump on a bandwagon, and it just didn't sure. quite work out. I I like the idea of Full Moon High. I really do. I still like the idea of it, and yeah. some of the ideas behind it. I just think the execution well, like I said, I mean, it, it does get interesting once the time passes and he goes back to high school. I yeah. thought that was interesting, but then it just doesn't really do much with it. Yeah. There's actually a funny line in the movie where Adam Markham says, does that mean I'm never going to be able to order a drink? <laughs> I mean, there, there's a couple of lines, little, little, you know, rope-a-dope lines that I enjoyed, but most of them involve Kenneth Mars, like gay gym teacher, or Adam Arkin, uh, who says some pretty funny shit, too. And I, I do still enjoy the scene where she ties him up to the bed to, to video, you know, to video him as a yeah. turn into yeah. a werewolf. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, still, she gets all kinky on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she overacts, and he's, you know, getting excited and stuff and i kind of enjoy that stuff i also enjoy that people are attracted to the werewolf like the hairier he gets it's almost like females are more attracted to him believe me they're not (laughs) let me tell you let me give you a piece of advice (laughs) that hairy prince of pennsylvania (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah I, i don't will do you uh have anything to add um, just a couple things, I guess. Um, you know, I was, this thing started off on the wrong foot for me. Like I was like, Ooh man, this is going to be a tough slog. Cause I'd never seen it. Um, but, uh, I think it found its footing as the film went on. Cause like you guys said, through sheer volume, it throws enough jokes at you that some of it's bound to stick. Um, it's that thing where in the 80s, everyone was nostalgic for the 50s, much like everyone's nostalgic for that 80s now. So Or the 90s, even. Or the 90s, yeah. yeah. Um, there was still that unfortunate thing of casting 30-year-olds as high schoolers. I just, I never understood that. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if you get, like, early 20-somethings, there's enough of them you could have hired them on the cheap. Like, 
what a ridiculous trend. Um, early on, this film felt trauma-esque to me without a lot of the real juvenile humor. It felt like a little bit like a slightly more mature cousin of like trauma. Um, yeah, there's less exploding heads in it, but yeah, I could see that. Less, yeah, <laughs> less exploding heads. Um, what else? Do, 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 do. There's no mistaking who Adam's father is. Ooh, did I lose you guys? No, no, nope. no, no, we're still here. <laughs> okay. And you're right, there is no mistaking. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I had to clap. Fear agrees with that, blood, that, that strong bloodline. <laughs> Um, Ed McMahon in, uh, what do we get him in a towel or we get him in, in some various state of undress in this at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, his shower. Oh, yeah. The shower. Yeah. Yeah. That's a McMahon ass. Um, <laughs> amazing. If only, if only, um, do, 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 where's Mary Warnov? This feels like Mary Warnov and, um, what's his name? Um, Paul Bartel. Paul Bartel. Paul Bartel should have made a cameo in this. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Really feels like something in their uh, wheelhouse. Um, you do get a Pat Morita. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do. Get, and my kids love that, man. But they were thrown for a loop not hearing yeah. the Miyagi accent. Yeah, yeah, no, that always. I said, well, goes, it's called acting, guys. Yeah, that always <laughs> throws people off that are familiar with uh, Pat Morita for one thing and one thing only. <laughs> yeah, because pop culturally, like even myself, I, I wasn't watching Happy Days as a young boy. I was yeah. after Happy Days, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I've watched Happy Days, you know, a little bit later in life because, you know, it was well, on. But so that's that's one of the things that came clear to me. Roz Kelly, who plays Jane in the film, uh, mm -hmm. one of the students that was in love with Adam Arkin's character Tony before, uh, she played Pinky Tuscadero. She was the uh, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Pinky uh, or Leather, uh, Pinky. She was Pinky. Pinky. No, no, I'm asking. No, Which Pinky. Prefer Pinky. I'm a Pinky guy. I was yeah, always a leather you. guy. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with that. That, that explains a lot, there, Tutter. Well, it goes with the yeah. hairy, you know, the hairy body. It should say. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I, I think <laughs> those yeah. pink shorts, though, man, it's hard to beat. This <laughs> 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 the Edward G. Robinson, Charles Nelson Riley show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh, what a show that would be. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, 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 I still found her uh, very attractive. Uh, Me too. Sexually. Me too. I don't know how to say that without sounding like a pig, but. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oink oink, uh, motherfuckers. No, no, she she looked good, man. She absolutely did. She's just she has it. She exudes. Sexuality, yes. So, 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 so the same way I think that McQueen, I, I mean, I would not put her on that level, but the same way I would say McQueen exudes masculinity, Roz Kelly, ex she exudes sexuality, even when she's not really kind of trying to. Well, that's right. Yeah. And you could look at like stills of her and think, uh, what's the fuss? But yeah. sometimes you see someone living, breathing, even, um, it's going to sound crazy to say, but Sophia Loren, when you see her living, breathing, moving in films... I mean, the dog gets turned up a big in a big way. Or yeah. cannot or, cannot be contained. Yeah, or, yeah. Or she is just yeah. Or Nell Carter for that matter. Oh, yeah. or absolutely. Give me a <laughs> give break. Me, give me a break, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like everyone's at least game in this film. While a lot of the jokes whiff, I feel like for the most part, I know you guys felt like Arkin Adam. That is, I felt like for the most part he was kind of game. I just think he's sort of limited. So it's his first. It's his first film. 
So yeah, so right. he's okay. I didn't dislike him. There's times I've seen yeah. leads in films. I think Jesus, with a different lead, this might have been. So I've seen Adam Arkin. I've seen him in a lot of things since, and he's, he's more fine. Of a, yeah, he's more of a TV actor than he really is a film actor. Yeah, he mostly directors. That sums it up. But he's he's a he can be really solid if given the right material. He yeah. played a he played a heavy in one of the seasons of uh, Sons of Anarchy, and he was really good on that. Oh wow! And uh, he can be really solid when directed correctly. Um, yeah. He looks great. I think he's got a great look of it. Um, oh, not in this film so much, but as he's gotten older, the salt and pepper, salt and pepper look and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not sure. the actor his dad is, but his dad's Adam Arkin is one of the or Alan Arkin is one of the. Uh, to me, he's one of the most eccentric actors I think that's ever lived. Oh yeah, yeah. kind of bulletproof in some ways too, right? Yeah, he's bulletproof. I mean, he is. He's he almost is like Jeff Goldblum or someone. You know, he's just an eccentric dude. Like Samuel Jackson, right? Like he can make some turds, but it's just he's still he's like the Teflon unique personality. It's just yeah, you can't explain it. No, exactly. One of the lines I really liked was I think he says, "A wolf bites me on a greyhound." <laughs> <laughs> some of the lines are absurd. They work. They throw enough volume at it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a oh, lot of lines that you miss if you're not really paying attention. Like Larry Cohen's sense of humor is, you know. Well, it's got that that like screwball madcap energy, like because um, yeah, they just throw volume at you, right? So some are gonna fail, some are gonna stick. Um, or like when he says a wolf man eats eats a Chinese person, thirty minutes later he's hungry again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. uh, it's 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 a groan inducing, but it's uh, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, I chuckled at it. Uh, <laughs> same time, it is, it is kind of true. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, I've eaten some buffets in my day, and yeah, a few hours later, I'm hungry. But past the sticks to your ribs a little more. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what does it say? Pissing in a fountain? I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, this one, this is one of the smokiest girls' change rooms in the history of cinema. Yeah, it's a pretty rough high school altogether. <laughs> Man. And that stuff was too. Um, it's like rock and roll high school all over again. Like, it is like a little R-rated, maybe. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and you know, like I said, it's funny that this one early on, I was like, I'm going to be in for a rough ride, but I kind of settled in and I enjoyed it as it went on. Is it, uh, is it, is it Alan Arkin that says uh, goodbye and good night and tough titty? One of the some um, character in it says that some character says goodbye, good night, and tough titty. Oh, did I write that down? I don't remember. I will say this, tough titty. You really don't hear that one much yeah, at all. No, you don't. We tough tits you hear around here, but you don't hear tough, tough titty. Tits. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, not I, tough titty. I still like to say tough titty. I still think it's a funny thing to say. I don't know. My oh, wife, yeah. my wife gives me hell for it. She says it's not like an old man when I say it, but I, <laughs> I still okay. like to say tough titty. I still think it's funny. Uh, that's a tough titty. I knew a guy who he expanded on that, and that tough titty was sort of commonplace. He would say, and he would say it in a high pitched voice. He'd say. I don't want to do the voice, but I'll do it. Tough titty said the kitty when the milk went dry. Oh, nice. That was, nice. That was his version. I don't know where he got it. It's a regional thing, I think. I don't it know. Might but be. Might be. Tough titty. I don't say that to my kids, man. Yeah. Ah, there's no more of this tough titty. Yeah. yeah there's nothing, um, nothing really worse than a tough titty if you think about it. You know? Jeez. No. As, as a grown yeah. man who loves women and stuff, really don't want to, really don't want to get a hold of a tough titty. It should not be like well, a balloon. It should not be like beef jerky. Yeah. Preferably not. Um, If you're into the jerky, then. Yeah. Tough titty, (laughs) see? Tough. (laughs) Not tender. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
Uh, so, so juvenile here. So it, uh, I'll tell you this, Arkin. I don't remember if it's Adam or Allen. They were action jeans. Chuck Norris approves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing. Uh, you know, another one of the lines I like. I think it's Ross Kelly. It's been like three months since I've seen this, so I'm surprised you remember this much context to <laughs> my know, notes. I know. I thought I thought there'd be more. Oh, I don't know what this note means. Um, I think it's because she says someone's broken in, and I may not like him. <laughs> I really like that line. I don't. Ross Kelly mean. and uh, the coaches are the the detective Bill Kirkenbauer. Those uh, they're they're home. Jim J. Bullock. Their home is is uh, 70s hanging on hanging on to the 70s in the early 80s, big time. Oh, big time. Speaking of hanging on, the one black dude. You see him in that mesh shirt. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. It was a nice oh, yeah. mesh shirt. Never forget a mesh shirt. Um, we get the Sega cameo. There's a violin gag I must have liked because I wrote that violin gag. Oh, uh, there's um, a. I think it's a pivotal uh, emotional scene, and a violin player comes walking in. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Very, Someone very says, on the nose. On the nose. Uh, bestiality, sure than shit. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was a different time, right? It was a different time. It was a different time. All right, those are all my notes. Let's jump off this. I sometimes wonder about the films we watch uh, growing up. You know, I watched this film a lot growing up. It was on cable a lot, so. Oh, there's a certain innocence to it, though. Yeah, there is, and there's a certain kind of uh, slapdashness to it, if that's a, if that's yeah. a word. I mean, again, I, I fully realize it's not a good movie. I really believe it's not a good movie, but I believe it's there's something I enjoyed about it. Um Maybe it's just the Larry Cohenness of it, and maybe I need to watch it a few other times. I, it's going to be hard for me to do. There is a commentary track on the disc, so I'm definitely going to check that out because Larry does really good commentaries and stuff, and he's always talking about how he stole a shot and did this and did that, and he talks about that a lot actually in that documentary we watched. But yeah, that was probably the most interesting, one of the most interesting things in that documentary yeah. uh, when they had that uh, the scare with, when they were making Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the guy was running with the kid and stuff, and somebody actually thought it was kidnapping a kid. No, no, I'm talking oh. about when they were when the bullets were raining down oh, on yeah, the yeah. street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that one too. Oh yeah, yeah. He, In addition to yeah, he treated uh, cameramen almost like snipers. He like put them on uh, building tops and say, "Hey, we're gonna shoot the scene, and we're not telling anybody. We'll see what happens." Yeah. But like you know the the famous uh, what is it the uh, famous Black Caesar scene where he gets uh was it does he get stabbed or does he get shot i can't remember which uh i think he got shot in and then Black and then he's walking down the sidewalk and people are oh, really yes. thinking he's uh you know been uh, actually hurt right so they don't really know and you can see the confusion on people's face they don't know how to react and stuff and that's something larry cohen's always been really good at because he works non-union <laughs> so, distinct lack of permits yeah distinct yeah he has a distinct lack of permit <laughs> dlp that's larry cohen um uh, I do enjoy this movie. I'm going to be forthright and say that. I don't think it's a good movie, but <clears throat> this is a weird one for me. I do enjoy it. Realize it's not for everybody. I think it's the innocence of it and stuff, but I will not give it a high rating. Uh, average at best. I do think uh, if you are if you like Larry Cohen films, you can find a few things to like in here. Uh, I do like Adam Arkin in the film. I do like <laughs> Kenneth Mars in the film. Kenneth Mars, uh, he plays, again, the gay gym teacher. Known for, uh, I think he played the, uh, the, uh, the Nazi-esque... Uh, Doctor yeah, producers, yeah, yeah, like that, and and also on Young Frankenstein as well. Didn't he do something yeah. like that? Yeah. Well, he was he was the uh, the police captain or whatever. Ah, yes, in, yes, yes. Uh, yep. And he's always, you know, he was always over the top and stuff, but always a lot of fun. And he's really, I mean, some of the the homosexual humor in here is uh, 
it's it's tasteless but man it's <laughs> you know it's tasteless in that good way you know i guess oh, yeah. i guess that's the way to say it again it was a different time right so you got to look hey, at movies. i laughed yeah you got to look at movies in the time they're made i don't think you can really judge films sometimes i mean it kind of goes back to will's thing but you know i mean right charlton heston shouldn't have been cast as the lead in touch of evil but at the same time that was the area it was made in. That was what we were given. So, sure. do you yeah. want to make chicken soup or chicken salad or chicken right. shit or chicken salad right. or chicken soup? I guess. Fuck, yeah. whatever you like. Yeah, whatever you yeah. like. I personally don't like chicken shit, so I can tell you that super salad would be good for me. <laughs> Door number one's <laughs> out of the mix for you. On that one. Yeah, I think it's safe safely all of us. Speaking of Mars, imagine Mick Mars in the role of the gym teacher. Oh man, different film. It's been amazing. <laughs> yeah, working at man, it, he'd be working at Whammy Bar. <laughs> Can you imagine? You talk about getting exposed as a motherfucker. Doing Mars would have got exposed beyond his reaches if he had been the gym teacher. Mick Mars doing an Ever G. Robinson impersonation wearing Charles oh, Nelson Riley glasses. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, good lord. Double hip replacement, Mick Mars, we should say. Anyway, uh, yeah, got some bad legs. The um, Yeah, so the sexual stuff I quite still enjoy. Um, again, don't know what that says about me, but... Uh, I've always liked the idea. So my favorite thing with monsters is always kind of the, the kind of sexual connotation with them. And, you know, the vampires and then and the werewolves as well. I always yeah. kind of like that stuff because it always seems like, you know, when you're going through puberty and things like that, things you do feel completely different than you felt, you know, just two years earlier. And you react to things, you know. I can still remember vividly being in high school and never looking at a girl. And maybe I'm not high school. <laughs> this is what I shouldn't Whoa. say that. It go way. It goes way before Month that. Times. The but, hell of a latency but, period. But I mean, I think yeah, I'm gonna say. But I think you guys can agree. You can still remember being a boy, mm-hmm. and then starting to turn into a man. And I'm not saying a pig or a stalker or a fucking whatever. I'm just saying, some point you wake up and you see girls totally differently. Ah uh, yes. Or maybe you know if you're into you know if you're you know into dudes maybe you see dudes totally differently. Whatever. I'm not going to say it's one thing or another because I don't know. But I can only relate to the the male masculinity side of it. I remember waking up one day. I remember going to the bus stop. I can still remember my first experience, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that girl is curvy." <laughs> yep. And I remember thinking from that point on, that's how I saw the female figure, and I became attracted to that. And so. I almost felt like a different person. So I've always thought the werewolf is a great metaphor for puberty and, and things like that. And I think, you know, I think teen wolf handles it better. Um, believe it or not, even though teen wolf is an absolutely absurd movie, I do think it handles it better. But, uh, a lot of werewolf films, I think handle sexuality pretty well. I think American werewolf in London handles sexuality. Interestingly. I think a lot of, Oh man. Yeah, it does. So I just think it's, you know, there's, you know, there's a very primal nature to sex, obviously, and I think werewolves. You know, obviously, we're getting way too deep for full moon high here, but still, you know, I think there's a there's a lot of there's some stuff there, and I see where Larry was going. He says that you know there there's this kind of extended way of explaining the film that I've read, heard in interviews and read over the years that he talks about it, but I never really kind of bought it. I kind of feel like it's Larry Cohen being Larry Cohen trying to say this is what he intended to do, but I never really felt like that was his intention. I think it kind of accidentally happened. So I think he was just trying to make a flat-out comedy, uh, sex comedy, because I think they were popular at the time. So, uh, Which, nothing wrong with that. There's some good movies that came out of that. right? So Sure. Um, that's all I got. Uh, Todd, we'll give you MVT, make or breaks, scores. 
All righty. Uh, MVT for me is uh, the supporting character actors. Like I said, I think they are the standout, the highlight, all that. Uh, make or break is Alan Arkin's scene in the jail. Uh, I really, I really just love that part. Watching Alan just go to town. Yeah, that's good. Um, and score for me is a five point five out of ten. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely just. Not the best. Cohen is the the most I could really say about it. It's okay. It's just not not anything to to shout about. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Understood. Well, you got any uh, make your break. Break. Yeah, so I thought I was turned down like a dickhead as usual. Um, make or break. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go with. Mer. <laughs> I'm going to go with the beef jerky, see? Yeah, tough titty. Uh, tough titty. Uh, I'm going to go with the energy of the cast. Like I said, Adam doesn't always stick the landing, but I think everyone's pretty game, and by the end, it's kind of infectious enough that yeah. you get an ensemble that kind of does their best to keep this thing moving and zany and wacky, and yeah, I'm it's actually, never going to be... I'm actually impressed that you, probably of the three of us, probably liked it the most on the watch because... Well, it sounds that way, man, and I'll yeah. tell you what, I'm surprised, too. Because this is not minutes. your thing. Yeah, this is not your thing. Like, I know oh, you well. well enough to know this is not your type of thing. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's funny you said that because when I'm watching, I'm thinking, these guys are going to think I'm going to fucking hate this thing, probably. <laughs> I guess it's that thing, as I said, I- I'm worried that I'm losing my taste because <laughs> all the stuff I'm, wa- I'm letting my hair down and just kind of... No, relaxing no, no. a bit going with the flow but i think there was enough to get from it in that regard and i can appreciate in the greater context of cohen's filmography what he was going for here so i'm not going for but that there's diversity in his filmography yeah, yeah. right yeah. so even if it doesn't hit like some of his big hits i applaud him for trying so uh that's the MVT, even though I usually do make or break first. Make or break. I'm going to go with that scene at the jail when we get uh, Alan on Adam. Yeah, that's good. Um, it is a good scene, and it, it was. I didn't realize Alan was in it, to be honest. Um, so that was a nice, pleasant surprise, and uh, it's a different dynamic in a meta sort of way. And my score—it's not super high. I'm going to go like uh, 5.75, but. I liked it well enough, and you know it's kind of innocent in as much a way as an '80s sex comedy sort of horror werewolf film can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Uh, my MVT, I'll go with uh, Arkin, Adam, uh, not Adam, Alan, Alan, <laughs> Alan. Yes, Alan. Uh, I really like him in the film. Um, a lot of the actors I enjoy. I mean, they're giving it their all, right? It's not like anybody's dialing it in here i don't think no no one's half-assing it everybody's trying to give it their full on i mean even the the uh kirkenbauer that guy that was on uh, just the ten of us he's a comedian in the 80s yeah he, uh, nice nice pull he really goes uh a full tilt i mean at one point he's singing a doo-wop song i mean he, he's he goes goes do, for it i mean yeah do 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 I mean, it's, uh, you know, if anybody's dialing it in, it's Jim J. Bullock, who's playing Jim J. Bullock. But, you know, which is insane to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that's about as much dialing in as you get. I mean, everybody else is really going for it in a lot of ways. And in a fun way, in an innocent way, I'll agree. Uh, but I'll, I'll give it to Alan Arkin, like I said. He's just, his delivery. Every time I see Alan Arkin do comedy, it's almost like he wants to laugh. It's like he's he knows the stuff he's saying is so ridiculous, and the way he's delivering it is so stupid, uh, in a way that he wants to laugh because he, he he's probably thinking I get paid for this. Can you believe this, folks? I get paid for this. Can you believe this, folks? <laughs> <laughs> this is my, my my Alan Arkin impersonation this morning. 
Um, the uh, we've done all kinds of impersonations this morning. <laughs> it's crazy. Has anybody got a Henry Fonda? I see Todd's uh, Henry Fonda avatar right now. I think anybody got a Henry Fonda they can whip out? That's a little That's too a subtle. A little too subtle, yeah. Um, make a break. Uh, so I really like the scene where uh, he turns on his dad, on Ed McMahon. <laughs> and he's like, the one thing I won't tolerate in this house is growling. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous, but I, I kind of like it. Uh, also, no, me too. I, I should say I also like some of the uh, the moments between Alan Arkin's character or Adam Arkin's character. God damn, there's too many Arkins. And then uh, the teacher that uh, is finding her kind of sexual awakening late in life. Uh, I like some of those scenes as well. It should be said. And I don't know. Again, I don't know what that says about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my score for the film is a little bit lower than your guys, and I think it's just a disappointment because I love this film growing up. Uh, mm, but I, but I'm totally with you guys on the 5.5. But I'm going to go five. I'm saying it's completely average, uh, maybe even below average. But I'm going to say five because, you know, for me, middle of the road is something I probably won't watch a whole lot of times, uh, if ever again. Uh, I'll check this out again to see the commentary track, but I'll never probably watch it again outside of that because now I realize this isn't that good a movie. Now I realize when I used to watch it on cable that my brother would groan and my dad and mom would groan. I remember <laughs> I remember telling them this movie was amazing, even as a kid, and I remember them going, oh, God, not full moon high again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least they always liked airplanes, so the full moon high was not their thing. So now I know why. it uh, It isn't great, but... Cohen gave it the old uh, Cohen try. Anyway. All right. So that is the big show. I have no idea what we're doing next week. I don't even know if we're going to be able to record next week. It'd be too much of a commitment at this point for us to say that. But let's let's keep our fingers crossed and hope we do. And I guess we'll figure out what we're going to cover off the air. But, uh, again, we want to thank everybody for their patience. I know we say this all the time. I personally want to thank you because I haven't retired from podcasting, but... Uh, it is increasingly difficult. Hopefully, the future holds more time for me. I've been trying to think of something to do, like when I have free time, when you guys aren't available, to kind of put out there and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I just I haven't come up with anything. So, and I don't like doing things by myself. You guys know that. So, there's only one thing I like doing by myself. You see? Yeah. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Tell us about. Yeah, I (laughs) fucked your woman. (laughs) (laughs) We're going all out, man. (laughs) Yeah, all kinds of impersonations. I Um, liked it. I liked that Toddy picked uh, picked that one up and ran with it, man. That's good. Um, So we will bid adieu and say adios. Adios. Adios, see? Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 